Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to my time capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my time capsule is the podcast where I ask people to tell me the five things from their life that they wish they had in a time capsule. They can pick anything they want, but they must pick four things that they cherish and one thing that they'd like to put in there and forget. My guest in this episode is the stand-up comedian Jake Lambert. Jake fell into a career as a stand-up after gaining a following on Twitter under the pseudonym at Little Lost Lad, with him very quickly becoming the 2015 semi-finalist in the BBC New Comedy Award, Magna's New Comedian of the Year, the English Comedian of the Year, and Lester Mercury New Act of the Year. He was also a finalist in the Amused Moose Comedy Awards in 2016. With three sellout runs at the Edinburgh Fringe and a deluge of fantastic reviews under his belt, Jake's combination of one-liners, short stories and strange thoughts has seen him perform on Comedy Central's Live from the Comedy Store and ITV2's stand-up sketch show. And he was a guest on BBC One's The Apprentice, You're Fired, this year. Jake has been out on the road doing tour support for his comedy peers, including Michael McIntyre, with whom, as you'll hear, he's just about to tour Australia, Jack D, Sean Walsh, Kerry Godleyman, Tom Allen, Rob Beckett and Romish Ranganathan, as well as gigging at comedy clubs, universities and theatres across the UK. Jake launched his podcast Guest List with Jake Lambert in 2020, and he also makes the podcast Make It Better with Jeremy Flynn, where they pick a different topic and discuss how they would make it better. Jake is a great writer of jokes. He writes for The Ranga Nation, The Apprentice, You're Fired, Mock the Week, The Now Show, Eight Out of Ten Cats, The News Quiz, Virtually Famous, Bake Off the Professionals, Bake Off an Extra Slice. There's something about movies, cooking with the stars, the Royal Variety Show, and Netflix's Flinch. 
Personally, I think we're catching Jake just before he becomes a megastar. So it'll be very interesting to hear what he would want in a time capsule. I'm sure you'll agree. Here is the lovely Jake Lambert. Lovely. And I think that's recording. It's, um, it's got an X next to the volume thing. Is that good? Or... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, t- I'll turn it up so it's not. Yeah. Oh, actually, now I can hear me coming back. So let's turn it down. But now... Now we're getting three records. Right, good. Well, I'm glad I've talked you through that. Okay, you can now talk. Sorry, thank you very much. That's all right, you can talk me now through the perfect cup of tea. Lovely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got a cup of tea there? Is that what? I'm sorry, I know, I feel really guilty. It's coffee. I was thinking before we started, shall I pretend it's tea? And then I'll say, yes, no, it's um, builder's tea. It's got no sugar in it. And it's it's this colour. It's sort of like khaki. Yes, yep, lovely. There we are. That's what you want. Yeah, I've got the colour chart. <laughs> but I am. Um, <laughs> it was a, a, an old bit of standoff I did in one of my Edinburgh shows. And people just really, I guess it's it's sort of the most British material you could possibly perform. Yeah. In fact, just the other day, I had somebody message me that they are coming to my Soho show and she's bringing me a bag of PG tips, a box of PG tips. <laughs> Seems to be very on brand. I'll be signing them soon. Yes, I yes. so when you become enormous. <laughs> yeah. Tom Jones, people used to throw their knickers, but you... <laughs> And it'll be very welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I can see you afterwards at the end saying, I've finished, but I'm just collecting up the tea bags. So that's right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. For the encore, I just come out with a kettle and just. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Good night, Wembley. I'll be about half an hour. Don't worry about me. (laughs) Real rock and roll stuff. (laughs) Brilliant. Are you doing liminal at the Soho Theatre? That's it. Yeah, I am. I'm doing four nights there now. We thought we'd put on two shows and they sold out. So we put on. Two more. One of them sold out. One of them is still a handful left. So uh, hopefully that will get sold out as well. But it's been it's been absolutely amazing. So uh, what has happened is I had to cancel one. I've had to move the date because I'm now. I mean, it just really sounds like showing off. But just <laughs> for context, is I'm now going to Australia on the 10th of June for three weeks uh, supporting Michael McIntyre. Oh, brilliant! What fun! He's the most delightful man, isn't he? Oh amazing a joy to spend time with yes so lovely he's so nice and he seems to like me i've done something right whatever it is so we're going off there so we had to move the date so that's affected it slightly because i think a lot of people have been messaging me to ask why that date's now missing because i haven't checked the email so i just know i'm going to land in australia and have a string of messages from people who have turned up to the theater waiting to see my show and then just see an instagram story of me on a plane you say really uh... sorry (laughs) just write back i don't care i'm with michael mcintyre (laughs) i think i'd just send in back a picture of me upside down (laughs) (laughs) yes i like australia i like the straightforwardness of it i went to australia a very long time ago and turned up there and the man in customs as I handed him my passport, I said, oh, sorry, I've got it on the wrong page. He said, oh, come on, you fuckwit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing, isn't it? I genuinely believe they're the only country that can get away with swearing, and it sounds absolutely fine. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how they've managed to do it. And I'm not a swearer. I never swear. I, can't, I couldn't get away with it at all. It sounds mad if I tried but (laughs) they just seem to make it seem so casual you you can imagine even their politicians doing it and getting away with it I think they do it just shows they're human I guess yeah over there I think people would expect it I like Mm. the fact that they're they're absolutely straightforward it's a brilliant phrase fuck wit (laughs) why have we not adopted it (laughs) 
So there we are. Well, have a brilliant time. Oh, thank you. Does that mean you're not going to Edinburgh this year? It does mean I'm not going to Edinburgh this year. Yes, mm. I'm going to have a year off. I've done three hours there, though, so I think I deserve a break. Yeah. Because <laughs> the stuff I've missed, I've missed my own cousin's wedding, and, oh, God, it makes you feel awful. But it is infuriating, isn't it, uh, to put a festival right through August? It really is. Anybody with children will go, really? Seriously? The only time I can possibly go away? Exactly that, yeah. I mean, you can take them to the beach in Scotland, but that would be a cruelty. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair. It's a good way to, to want them to really want to get back to school in September. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for the warmth. Yeah. <laughs> I made the big mistake last time we went to Edinburgh. 2019, I think it was, we went up, and I thought, OK, so I packed my bag and off we set, and I didn't take a coat because I thought, no, it's August. I'm not going to give in to this. And, of course, I was bloody freezing the whole time. I don't know what, what you were trying to prove or what you were trying to... I did to... prove that I was an idiot, yeah. <laughs> that, was what I, that was what I was implying by saying wrong. I didn't want to be actually say it so directly. You fuckwit. But, uh... <laughs> there you are. You sounded fine swearing. <laughs> oh, thank you. I let the build up to that. I'm not sure if this podcast edited, but if they don't keep that first anecdote in about Australia, I'm going to come across horrendously. <laughs> I'm going to just start at that point and say, you know, I've never met Jake before, but this is how he greeted yeah, me. You've got full control there to really screw me over. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I tried to get everybody to say the phrase, I am not a Nazi. But I say, could you leave a gap between I am and Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now I've got a recording of you saying that, so uh, ah! I'll keep that. <laughs> Foisted by my own baton. Brilliant. Oh, uh, Jake, um, well, we're going to talk about five things you want to put into a time capsule and see where that takes us. Who knows? Lovely. I've written them down, and there's no particular order. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, so I will go for... Okay, well, I guess the first one I wrote down, so we'll go for that. That's good, you know. Most people go in chronological order. Oh, do they? Yeah, I think it's quite interesting not to, to yeah. jump about. Yeah. Well, I will start with them. Um, and I underlined about all these, uh, exactly how to word them or what they would be or what they would sort of represent. But the first one that I'm going to put into the time capsule will be England in international football tournaments. Right. <laughs> Is that the one you want to bury and forget? No, like <laughs> no. you would think so. But yeah. I'm a Tottenham fan. So actually, I enjoy uh, the break when I get to sort of enjoy, even though they don't win, it's a lot more fun, believe it <laughs> or not. When you're a Tottenham fan, watching England's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> they, they get a bit further. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> watching Harry Kane play well. Exactly I that, yeah. <laughs> With people who can also play well. Yeah. He's not the only one. My grandson is uh, a fan of, well, as you say, Tottenham Hotspots. So. <laughs> That's correct, yep, the mm. American gave me. But um, <laughs> obviously, I'm sorry. How did that happen to him? He got interested in football the moment that they got to the final of the European Cup, but right. before they lost it. <laughs> yeah, OK, mm. that was his mistake. And there you are, you're stuck. Yeah, he has only himself to blame. I've got my dad to blame. Mm -hmm, fair enough. So there was no choice growing up. It's the one thing you can't change. You're stuck with it. The, yeah. It's unimaginable to imagine changing a football team. Yes. I mean, but if you bought a car, you always bought a Citroen. And every time you bought them, they were rubbish. And they didn't start. And they kept breaking down. Eventually, yeah. you'd say, I'm going to get a Ford. Yes, exactly. And mm. then what you wouldn't have is everybody you know calling you every name under the sun. <laughs> <calling> you, <laughs> just because you've gone for a Ford. 
<laughs> yes. Sensible decision, mate. Well done. Yeah. People doing rude gestures as you drive down the road. Which team do you support? I support the team that's winning. <laughs> yeah, the one that's going to make me the happiest. So England playing. Have you been to tournaments then for England? Do you know, the closest I've been to watching us actually in a tournament would be just before I was at... You're a Manchester United fan, is that right? I am, yes. Well spotted. <laughs> it's a funny image of you saying that and the listener at home not knowing you're sat there in like a Man United shirt with a, with a yeah, red paint in back That's right, yeah. <laughs> Always, all day, Subtle. every day. Never take your scarf off. <laughs> so um, Tottenham for many years were uh, the feeder club for Man United, weren't they? They were, You did very well from us. <laughs> Mm. Um, and unfortunately, we stopped that when you were after Eric Dyer. But um, that seemed to be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, that's where we put our foot down. But um, I was at Old Trafford in 2001 when Beckham scored that free kick against Greece. Wow. So that was me and my dad and my friend Danny and his dad. And the four of us <sighs> drove up. And it was just the most incredible performance anyway. I mean, I was only young, but just watching David Beckham on that pitch, it was unbelievable. I I wasn't sure if it was because I was watching him live, it's the first time I've ever seen him play live, that I just wasn't aware of how much work he did, or this was just what he did for England. And I remember we had, I think it was Nicky Barmby was right back. So he certainly had to do a lot of the work. (laughs) But the, the players he was alongside and, some of them good, but some of them really not. And it was just an absolute masterclass. It was incredible. And then that crescendo for it to end with that free kick. And if he hadn't scored that, they were out, weren't that they? That was it. So we were 2-1 down. I think we scored. And then they went and scored straight away as soon as we scored the first goal. And then mm. it was just unbelievable. It was phenomenal. In fact, I think Teddy Sheridan scored the first goal. I think he came on and my dad said he'll score first touch. And I think he did with his head. <laughs> but the free kicks obviously overtaken that memory so much. But yeah. all I remember is we were quite high up. And so um, people had started to leave. And I remember thinking they would definitely still be on those stairs when the place erupted. <laughs> <laughs> Just how could you live with yourself? Oh, so Lord, I, I, yes. I was only young, but I sort of the promise I remember making to myself then to never ever leave a game early and I've never left a game early no. because you just you just never know yeah I have a friend who walked out of the European Cup final because they went oh United oh. have lost no mm. see I would think about that probably about four o'clock every night yeah I'd be lying awake oh mm. god I think they ran back in to saw the second goal but they were on the stairs when the first one went oh. in well, at least I'll have that mm. but yeah I just just never do it and even the other day, I mean, this is very easy for me to say as a Tottenham fan, but when the Arsenal fans were pouring out in their thousands after they would, they'd gone 3-0 down to Brighton, I was like, we keep turning up and watch our dross and what we have to put up with. You can stick and stay around and watch one bad performance. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, that's in a way, that's the contract you make, isn't it? That's I'm going to be yeah. a fan of this club and we sing the loudest when you're losing. Yes, that's it. That's that's when we get behind you. That's when we're important. and. Mm. And it's lovely, I always think, when any player for any team turns to the fans and sort of G's them up and waves their arms and you go, they're really saying to you, trust me, you are important. We need you. This will help us. And if it doesn't help us, it will put them off. Trust me, this will help. Yeah. Um, My grandson does have this. He's now developed a real love for Lewis FC, which is a local team. Lovely. And he goes there regularly with his dad. And all the players, after every single game, he stands by the exit where they go off the pitch and every one of them high-fives him. 
Lovely. He was invited to the award ceremony for the club because he's such Amazing. a loyal fan. And he awarded the best away goal. <laughs> That's so lovely. And afterwards, the goalkeeper gave him his gloves and his favourite player gave him his shirt and his boots, signed them. Wow. I know. That's so nice. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. How have they come to recognise him so much as as the fan? He's autistic, so he, you know, I think it was pointed out to them, you know, Mm. he wouldn't normally go to a thing like this. He can't cope with the uncertainty. Right, right, yeah. But he seems to be able to do it with them, you know. He seems to accept them losing. Yeah. And they're absolutely fantastic with him. They're amazing. That's so lovely. It's a lesson for all other clubs, I think. Oh, my God, definitely, yeah. Yeah. I always think with footballers, especially when they're thrown into the limelight so young, Jerry Seinfeld said that about comedians, how the, the the age you are when you first get on stage is you stop aging. And I think with footballers sometimes, they as soon as they're chucked or thrown into the limelight, they sort of stop aging themselves. They sort yeah. of, then they're so looked after. Some of them are brilliant. Some of them come across amazingly. Usually the English players that have played abroad, I find, do a lot better. Mm-hmm. But um, I just find they sort of actually a lot more shy than we realise sometimes. They don't quite know how to interact or quite what to do, I think. it's And so it really comes through when one does, yes. when, a, when a player really sort of goes above and beyond. And Jack Grealish is very good at it, isn't he? I think they're sort of media trained in the wrong way. The thing of don't show yourself. That's it, yeah. And I think also footballers, quite often, the way they express themselves is through their skill, through their football. Mm. And when that's gone... That's a terrible thing for them. They, they sort of go, well, what else have I got? Yeah, yeah, that's it. One of the great things about being a young fan, they've got a lifetime of discovering all those other players that have gone before that they don't know anything about. They wouldn't know who David Beckham was. They, yeah, that's it. My, my yeah. grandson, I've had to explain to him who Wayne Rooney is. Wow. Yeah, it's that quick. It's that quick that it's blimey. In fact, mm. I remember David Beckham when he was at his height. I, I, I'm an uncle. I remember being with my nephew, and I was trying to explain to him how big David Beckham was. And David Beckham, he was probably five or something. I said, David Beckham is probably the most famous person in the world. And I said, I think if I turn the TV on now, he will be on the TV. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even cheat and go on Sky Sports or MUTV. <laughs> and I remember flicking through and there he was on an advert. I said, that's him. That's David Beckham. And yeah. he still remembers that. He still says about it. He remembers. He remembers me saying that. But he also remembers at that age, I convinced him that I was Spider-Man. Um, so. <laughs> it's easily done. Children are easily fooled, aren't they? Yes, they will believe anything. I didn't have to even yeah. turn the TV on to prove him of uh, David Beckham. But um, yeah, he was convinced for a long time that I was Spider-Man. So, uh, that's <laughs> it's a great... People don't play those games with children enough. I think you should deceive children as much as you possibly can. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. definitely. Although it's quite good if you can involve them in something. The other day we went out to lunch at a pub and at the end of the meal, my grandson said... Should I give them the tip and pretend I'm rich? And now the reason he thought he could pretend that he was rich is he was wearing my sweatshirt right. upside down because he'd fallen in a river, so he didn't have any trousers. As an autistic boy, that's not a great thing. So I yeah. took it off and I said to him, all the footballers are wearing this. It's called a harem pant. Amazing. And so what's the big hole in them? I said, that big hole is in, you know, comes from the desert, is for air. He went, wow, wow. And he was really taken with this idea. So he swanned around this pub as if he was, you know, the height of fashion. And he said, I think the waiter's noticed. I went, yeah, yeah. And then he said, should I give him the tip and pretend I'm rich? I said, why don't you pay for the whole thing in cash? I think I've got the cash. So he did. And he, he gave it to him and he went, there you are. Keep the change. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> that's so nice. And that's the sort of thing as well. You just remember, I remember being told stuff when I was young. You just accept it. You just accept yeah. it. It's it's nicer, I think. Mm. It's a nicer way to be. I'm, I'm probably still the same, much. I don't question things enough and I'm too trustworthy, but I'll believe anything still if somebody tells me. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly won't wear a jumper upside down. But uh... Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. David Beckham would, though, wouldn't he? Of course. He would have the nerve to do that. He'd oh, wear yeah. But then I don't look like David Beckham. So, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favourite David Beckham joke is the one about Alex Ferguson at training and he's got a thermos flask. Do you know that joke? Oh, I know that one, yes, yeah. <laughs> Let's not tell it. People have to look it up. It's a brilliant joke. <laughs> they can go and do their own research there. <laughs> yes, but, but all based entirely on a complete lie, the fact that David Beckham is not bright. Yeah. He must be bright as a button. Yeah, well, I remember when he went out to uh, Madrid and it came back through some story, I can't remember, I don't know if it was some journalist that, that had said, or, or a footballer that was a friend of his had said, he's learning Spanish and he's basically fluent in it, but he won't use it to the media because if he gets one thing wrong, he just knows that they'll just, the English media will just mock him forever as that. So he just wouldn't do it. And you go, what a shame. But yeah, yeah. So he's clearly a very bright man and a businessman. He's brilliant at everything. Not many footballers get invited to royal weddings, so he's certainly doing something right, isn't he? No, quiet, I know. In a way, perhaps it's a good thing that you're not like an England fan who follow them all over the world and uh, have been everywhere, because my experience of England abroad in tournaments particularly mm. is awful. Yes. Not them, the fans. It's just a bit of a shame. We always let ourselves down, and when we hosted the final of the Euros, we really let ourselves down. I thought it was awful, but as much as it, I'm sure it would be amazing to go to the stadium when it's good and that Germany game at Wembley like must have mm-hmm. been incredible but for me it's always been well when I was younger it was watching it at home with my family and the TV on really loud and mm. the commentary coming through and I remember watching Michael Owen score that goal against Argentina and oh. my mum she only would really get into football when it's England she really mm. loves it she gets involved and she thinks it's amazing I remember, I remember him scoring that goal you know when he sort of flicked it around the defender and ran on and scored <laughs> And Amazing, I'm, yeah. I remember my mum just saying, oh, you'd be so proud. And I said, I want to be him. And she went, no, to be his mum. <laughs> <laughs> I still always remember. So I've got these little snippets. I remember being at school when it was the 2002 World Cup, when it was in South Korea. Mm. And so it was, uh, you know, so early in the morning here and watching it at school before school started. You just realise how important this is. <laughs> so it's always been just being around people. And now we'll go to we'll always book out tables at the different pubs are around us and we like different collection of friends go there and it just for me it's it's not actually about going to the game it's like obviously this last world cup was in december but usually i feel like it's like it's like christmas in the summer it's mm. like everybody's just amazing feeling and when we reached the final of the euros in 2021 oh, i'd never obviously seen that so when we won the semi-final we came out of the pub that's just by us and we walked around london and the the atmosphere was incredible. I remember just like cars and Uber drivers, bus drivers driving past, all tooting their horns. And I mm. was like, I've never seen this. This is, it's like magic. Yeah. Imagine if we actually won oh, something. I don't know if we would have known what to do with ourselves. I remember no. it was raining, wasn't it, when we lost? But I think even we would have been dancing in the rain. It would have been yeah. not singing in the rain, obviously, is the, <laughs> the, the yeah. better thing to say that. But we would have been going berserk. I've got a friend who was at the 1966 World Cup final. Blimey. Yeah. And he says that afterwards they went into London and it went on all night. People just danced in they danced yeah. in Trafalgar Square for the whole night. It was amazing. My father held up the World Cup before Bobby Moore. Really? Yeah, he's a lawyer. And when it was stolen, yeah. 
The man who stole it, my father defended him. No. It was in the window of a butcher's, and this bloke went, oh, that looks worth some money. <laughs> Just picked it up and walked out. But then had no idea what to do with it. Yeah, right. Wow. Anyway, my dad was in court waiting for the trial to start, and on the evidence desk was the World Cup. That's unbelievable. And so he picked it up, turned around to the court and went, England! <laughs> <laughs> so he said he held it up above his head before Bobby Moore. <laughs> wow, that's an incredible line. Isn't it? What yeah. I think to say. He must have known whenever he's going to any party, any dinner party. Yes. <laughs> just, he'd always have that up his sleeve ready. Yeah. How has that not been made into a film, that whole story? Yeah, let's stop the recording now. Let's work on the script. (laughs) If you followed the man who took it. Exactly that, yeah. It's a lovely story. I can play my dad. (laughs) I was going to say, there you go, yeah. (laughs) Well, I look forward to it. Fantastic. Okay, right, so the first thing is you supporting England in tournaments. That goes into the time capsule show. It's your first thing, Jake. Lovely. And just to get into that as well, because I forgot to mention, the lovely feeling when you first hear three lines on the radio. Oh. It's like hearing the Christmas music. Come on, it's like, it's begun. It's official, <laughs> we're here. And I love it. So, yes, that's in, definitely. Yeah. The most perfectly constructed song, almost it, by accident. It really is. It's perfect. Mm. There we are. Let's move on. Let's move on to number two. This next one would be, it's quite hard to describe, but it would basically be... The feeling in the air when you walk out of the airport in America. My mum works for American Airlines. So in the 90s, we were very lucky. We used to get to go a lot when we were growing up and we'd go to Florida and we'd be on standby on the flight. We'd sort of be waiting, hoping there was like seats available and we'd go on. And mm-hmm. it was incredible. We always do, even when we were young, that we were like so lucky to be going. And uh, I just remember... If you'd ever get off the plane when it was on the tarmac, when they do that thing and get you on the bus or walking out the airport, there's a feeling of the different heat and you feel <laughs> it on the skin and you just know. I remember even at like six or seven being like, I'm on holiday. And that was <laughs> the, like the magical feeling. I've not been back to America since just before the pandemic. I was there in September 2019. But I remember again walking out of New York and feeling that heat. There's something about it. I'm sure a lot of people don't like it, but... It's not sticky giving because it's sort of dry, but it's always that feeling of, and relax. (laughs) You're on holiday. I just love it. And that feeling is, I guess, all my childhood. It's because it's, it is when you walk out the airport, but it's also every morning when you go out the villa and you get out of the villa to get into the car. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about that feeling. It just makes me so happy to even think about. (laughs) It's so nice. Is it also that feeling of it being America? The fact that it's the States, you've gone to the USA. I think it must be, especially when, obviously now we know a lot more about American social media, sort of it's like pull back the curtain a little bit of all the issues that are there. But And obviously I was a child growing up. America is just this magical place. Mm. Also, you're, you're seeing the America that's designed for me at that age. I'm going to like Disneyland and, yeah. and Universal Studios. And I love film. I was always into film. So I'm just seeing this like exactly what I imagine. I'm going to see MGM Studios and you're walking down the street and it looks like there's like skyscrapers going on forever. And it looks like you're there and then the Ghostbusters cars put it up at Universal Studios. So it is, it's the whole, <laughs> the whole thing comes into it. But for me, if I was there and it was winter, it just wouldn't be the same. Right. I've done both in one journey. That's the weird thing, though, isn't it? You can do in America. I flew to Los Angeles and got off, and it was beautiful weather. Yeah. And thinking, I'm in this sort of fantasy world. And I visited a friend who actually lives in Hollywood, lives in the Hollywood Hills. Wow. He had a house next door to Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) It's crazy. I know. Wow. Then we flew from there to Colorado and went skiing. (laughs) Right, yeah. 
That's it. And then I flew to New York and it was absolutely snowbound. It was freezing. I always think about that when they sort of call Americans ignorant, the percentage of them that don't own passports or something. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, good point. But also they really don't need to. No, <laughs> no they have the world on their doorstep. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And I understand traveling is good and taking other cultures. But yeah. also they have, can have everything. Yeah. It's all there. It is the country of convenience. Yeah, Everything yeah. is there. <laughs> <laughs> Although I had an American friend who said, we've been to Venice, you know, and I went, oh, really? Oh, you've been to Italy? And he went, no, no, in, in Las Vegas. I went, right, that's not actually Venice. You know, <laughs> crazy. So your mum worked for American Airlines. Yeah. Fantastic. So she goes out a lot even now for work. She goes out to Dallas quite a lot. So she loves it. But then I just realised recently how much growing up my, my family really love America. And we've got family friends from Canada. So we used to go to Canada a lot We'd right. go sort of once a year because we'd stay with them as well. So we'd get the standby flights, go via Dallas or Chicago, depending on the year because of the weather, fly to Canada, get obviously free accommodation for the weeks we were out there. So, But these are big flights, aren't they? There's a long way to go. Yeah, but I've, I've always loved flying. I remember we went to New York for my sister's 16th. And then on the way back, the flight was delayed. We were sat on the tarmac and uh, we we're very, very lucky. I think me and my sister had managed to get into business class. That was the standby seats that were available. It's probably a little bit more, but we get together. So we'd sat there in business class and the, it's taken ages to take off. And then we fall asleep. I wake up, my dad comes and checks on how we are. And we're like, fine. He's like, are you ready? We had no idea. We'd, we were now in London. <laughs> we both, these beds went back. We had all these films to watch that we were talking about. We just managed to sleep for six and a half hours and just wake <laughs> up in London. And we both had absolutely no idea. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> That's how I'd like to fly. Anyway, in a way, it's why the world is so small to people who are rich. Yeah. I always think that when you've got people like um, Ryan Reynolds coming over, yeah. obviously with Wrexham, and you go, How's he fitting that in? He goes, well, he's either working in basically an office in the air or he's having a perfect night's sleep in the air, yeah. getting up and carrying on his days. There's no difference between being in Wrexham and being in LA. Exactly in, that. In between yeah. it, it's like he's been in his house. So it's unbelievable. I know. But I remember going when I was a little bit older, me and my friend Jamie, we went whilst we were at university. And so we got very lucky. Again, it's my mum working at American Airlines. His older brother was working at Disneyland, so he managed to get basically free flight and mm. free tickets into the park. <laughs> so we had to pay for the accommodation. I'm not surprised you love this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the memories have been very good. We're very, yeah, yeah. We're very lucky. We had this gold pass so we could get into 11 or midnight, whatever it was at the parks. But about around, because this was in Florida, so around five or six o'clock every day, it would rain, mm. you know, but this sort of hot rain, we could just tell it's going to come wash all the heat away for a little bit and sort of freshen the place up. So we had a routine where we'd go back to the hotel, just relax for a bit and go back out. And one day we were just watching TV and there was a rocket launch happening. So we put it on the, on the news, we came past, we're like, wow, this is incredible. We're in America and we get to watch this. <laughs> yeah. We're watching it. And then it says at the bottom of the screen, I remember it just said Kennedy Space Center. And I just went, hold on a minute, that's Florida. So I <laughs> opened the hotel and it was like one of those hotels where the room goes out to the balcony looked up and you could just see the rocket in the air oh, you could wow. just see this flame traveling through, and it was like this is unbelievable yeah it was absolutely phenomenal what a thrill it was incredible <laughs> i couldn't believe i got to see it we were just stood there like mesmerized like, i can't believe this is real mm. brilliant the very first time i actually spent any time in america i didn't leave the airport which is weird isn't it yeah we landed in los angeles on the way to australia very weird way oh. to go to australia but cheaper yeah 
Oh, my God. Crazy flight. Crazy. Took us 38 hours or something. Oh, my body's just aching thinking about it. Yeah, but I think it saved us nearly 200 pounds. Well worth it. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Anyway, (laughs) uh, so we landed in Los Angeles, wandered around the airport a lot, and then we sat down at a bar, and the woman said to us, yeah, and I said, uh, Mm, in America, what should I have? I said, can I can I have a Manhattan, please? And she went, in L.A.? I, I went, oh, yeah, okay. Well, she said, have a whiskey sour. So I did. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have you coming out of the plane into America. Lovely. And, and playing in the background, it's Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> playing America. In the distance, a rocket takes off. Yeah, it's all there. <laughs> and you're greeted by Mickey Mouse. It's marvellous. <laughs> yeah, and I've had a perfect night's sleep on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, okay. That's number two. So what's the third thing? Hello, sorry to interrupt this podcast. Yes, I know there's quite a lot of football so far, so apologies if you normally would avoid the subject like the plague. Hopefully Jake's gentle and unique approach to the subject has carried you along enough to get you through the adverts that are coming up. So see you after we've had a slice of orange. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back. No substitutions at halftime, so on with the game. And I promise that's the last football reference. Here are the rest of the things that Jake Lambert would want in his time capsule. So the third thing will be to take me back home mm. will be my cat, Richard Parker. Richard Parker. Richard Parker. Fair enough. Yeah. Did he tell you his name? He didn't. No. He. <laughs> um, he, he although I, I do have many dreams where he can talk. Uh-huh. And I've spoken to other cat owners to ask if this is a thing, but they don't seem to think it is. But I, I dream regularly, that, and every time in the dream I go to him, I, uh, I always knew you could. I've even had dreams that you could talk, and he'd always say, "I know," like he never, he's, <laughs> that he's fully aware because he's he's very he's a very aware cat. Mm. So it's almost like he's just very very smart in that he's got this toy thing that he loves. So if he sits by his drawer that we've got in the kitchen of all his stuff in it, he goes and sits by that and looks at you. And that means he wants something. So mm. you can open it up and you can give him the tub of food or you can give him his toy and he'll stroke up against the one that he wants. And you go, right, that's what he wants this time. But he can also, he sits on command. He can shake paw. He jumps for a hoop. He can ring a bell. He does all these tricks. Wow. So he's very aware. So he's named after the tiger from Life of Pi. Mm-hmm. 
um, which I think I must have read around the time I got him. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> that was the the choice. But he's actually got one eye. He got um, he got someone, some awful, but I don't know, shot him in the head. Oh my god! Uh, whilst I owned him, so I had him with two eyes. Yeah. And then he came back one day, crying at the back door, and um, just this this red eye. And I took him to the emergency vet and had no idea what it was. And they said, oh, the bullet's still in there. And I thought maybe a fox or another cat had just got his eye. And they said, no, no, he's been shot through the back of the head with this sort of metal BB bullet. It's oh in his God. head. Awful. But um, now it just looks like he's always got an eye closed, basically, is mm. how he looks. And he's just managed to adapt. And he loves going out. And he's, he's brilliant. I mean, he can still very much hunt, unfortunately. How extraordinary. Because, because you yeah. would absolutely think that they would need two eyes to focus in on things, particularly all that balancing that cats do. Yeah, exactly that, yeah. Somehow he's managed to find a way. And w- what you will find is he, he's got his, his water bowl, but what he'll do is he puts his paw in it first before mm. he drinks it, and it's because he, he can't check the depth of it. So he has to just see right. like his depth perception slightly off. So yeah. he has to check where is it before I go in. So he does that with his foot. Amazing so thing. Incredible. Yeah. But it happened to him when he was so young. He was only about seven months old. So I think he just managed to adapt. And it, obviously it was absolutely awful. But mm. it's incredible how he's managed to just carry on. Terrible. And... I mean, clearly the person who shot your cat intended to kill it. Yes, Terrible. exactly. What what What's the point of that? I mean, exactly. I can understand people saying there are too many cats and that, you know, they're a threat to the bird population. They are, in a way. Yeah. But um, there are things you can do to stop that. I mean, you can put things on your cat that warn birds and, and then they're not so good at hunting. Yes. When it happened, I put up signs around to sort of warn people that it happened and to let people know. And um, there was an old lady that lived next door to me. And her carer came out and said, um, oh, no, she recognised the photo. She went, oh, we wondered where he'd been recently, but it turned out that my neighbour I'd never spoken to, Richard Parker, was always going into her house and just <laughs> hanging out with her. And I had no idea. They are amazing, um, aren't they, cats, for doing yeah. that? Yeah. So she said how she's missing him. Yeah, cats quite often have a second home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not stupid. <laughs> there was a cat that lived in my neighbourhood who didn't have any particular home, but in fact we all looked after it. <laughs> Lovely. Every now and again, it would come into your house and you'd find it curled up on the sofa. We all had individual names for it as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nice. And there's something about cats. You imagine they're fully aware yeah. of the deal they've got. They're like fully aware. I'm the luckiest cat in town. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> and Richard does talk to this other owner and it says, you'll never believe what he calls me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I had a cat who was able to catch bats. That's impressive, isn't it? Wow, yeah. yeah. He never hurt them. Never hurt. He hardly ever hurt anything he caught, which is one of the reasons I sort of didn't put a bell on and things. But he had this amazing leap. He could leap into the air. He pulled bats out of the air. Bats of all things. Bats of all things. Sorry, that's incredible. I watched him buy a pond at the bottom of my garden. I got a pond and the bats used to come in to catch the gnats or whatever. Yeah. And he was sitting there, just his head going back and forth, back and forth, watching the flight of this thing, working the timing out. And then suddenly he went wham up into the air and came oh down God. and had caught it. And then he came up to me, sort of doing that noise that they do when they've caught. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, "Let you know, okay, let it go." And he let it go. And then <laughs> I, it flew off. Wow! How well one amazing to be able to do that of all creatures to be able to catch. Mm. But then to be so tame to go, yeah, and, and and I'll let you go. Yeah. Just a warning to the bat. Yeah, it was more to do with it being a gift for us. 
you know. Yes, I've, that's it. I've yeah. got this thing, I'll take it back to the pack, as it were. Yes, that's it. Earn my keep. Yeah. You do a lot for me, I want to pay you back. <laughs> There's a bat. <laughs> <laughs> when Richard Parker first had the one iron side going out, mm. is we suddenly had a load of other cats would come to the garden and hang out with him. There was one where we had like a conservatory where Richard Parker's food was. And this ginger cat used to come and just sit by that and watch him eat. And we'd get home sometimes and through the cat block would be, Richard Parker and another cat would just be in the kitchen. Right. Just sitting together. And then I went out once and there was about three of them just hanging out on the patio. Extraordinary. Almost as if they didn't see him as a threat. They recognised his vulnerability. That's it, yeah. Almost sort of taking care. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, so certainly they've got these secret lives. They do have a secret life, yeah, absolutely. I really do like that. They come back to you sort of when they're bored with this other amazing life they lead. That's it, yeah, it's like um, good night, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, takes off the trilby, yeah. hangs it on his peg and says, I'm home, darling. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and I imagine Richard Parker really fitting well in the 1930s as well with a name like that and a trilby. That's Smoking a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. Very Fantastic. Well, how lovely to hear about Richard Parker. What a brilliant cat. Oh, thank you. That's preserving forever in the time capsule. Lovely. Yes. Okay, right. We've got two left. So what do you want to do first? The good one or the bad one, Jake? Oh, yeah. The bad one. Then we can end on a high. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Lovely. So this was a few I tried to think of and a few I had, but I've decided what I would like to forget about forever is mouth ulcers. Right. Or in America, canker sores. Oh, my God. I used to suffer from them every week. Two or three in my mouth. I used to have to, down my throat. I used to have time off school. And it's only as I've become an adult, I've started to look into it and do all I can to cut them out. I've realized how important it is with like your diet and stuff that affects them. Because the first I ever heard of it was, I remember going to a chemist and there was this amazing paste that was available. When I finally went, I never used to, even as a child, I never liked to go to doctors. Well, I guess most no. children don't, but even when I was a bit older, I'd never go to get, I'd never even bothered to make the appointment to go to be seen. So I just live with these ulcers. Mm. And then I finally went, I thought I have to, I think I was at university, I was like, I need to just get this sorted. And he gave me this, so it was quite like, it's like a paste, like a gritty sort of paste that if you felt one was coming, you'd put it on and it would go. And I, had, I remember having it on my desk at university and the amount of people that would walk past and go, that stuff changed my life, mm. that stuff's amazing. Mm. So I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is it, I'm sorted forever. And then I went back to get the second lot again when I'd run out of the prescription and the doctor said they've had to pull it. It was cancerous and they found uh, that people were over applying it and they couldn't trust mm-hmm. people to. And so we had to pull it. And I was gutted. So I went to the chemist and said, have you got anything else? And the lady said, oh, my daughter has ulcers all the time. She said, do you eat bananas? And I went, yep, two a day. She went, yeah, that'll be it. Cut out bananas. Right. And, I, and I've since looked online. I can't really see anything of anybody also backing this up but i cut up and now if i mean if i eat a banana which unfortunately i really like but i don't anymore Mm. it will come instantly i'll i'll have an ulcer it will bring on a mouth ulcer if i have a banana i don't know what it is so i cut them out they don't realize how obviously my mouth is quite vulnerable so i cut out crisps because they've cut my mouth cut them out Mm -hmm. then it was toothpaste with sodium lauryl sulfate in it will give you ulcers cut that out so it's only sensodyne and then someone said it was gluten can do it so now i've cut out most gluten mm-hmm. and now if i get an ulcer it's only when i'm super 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 run down or i've been 
bad enough. He did something I shouldn't. Yeah. Now, somehow I've managed to completely control them, but I will still never forgive them for ruining my teenagers. <laughs> no. They were always there, affecting the way I spoke. I remember having braces and it would hit up against the ulcers, so the ulcer would never go because just as it was... God, so I know it's an awful thing to talk no, about. No, 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 no. Well, I we just, all have something like that in life where you go, oh, it's a bloody pain. Why do I have this thing all the time? Exactly. There's that extraordinary story, isn't there, of uh, the man who for years said to people, do you know, stomach ulcers, I don't think they are. Everybody say, oh, it's stress. You know, it's stress and it's too much drinking right, yeah. and those sort of things. They cause stomach ulcers. And this man said, um, I, think it's, I think it's an infection. Right. He said, I think it's this thing. So to prove it, he infected himself with this thing and then gave himself the antidote, as it were, and they went. Now the scientific belief is that they are nothing to do with stress. Wow, right. Mm. So for the stomach ulcer, I've never had a stomach ulcer. I don't quite understand exactly what that would be, but that's amazing to go completely against it and then find a cure. I mean, everybody said you're completely mad. You know, this is ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. We all know what causes stomach ulcers. It's well accepted by all doctors. This is what (laughs) does it. And now it turns out this man who they thought was a bit mad is completely right. Amazing. Mm. I remember I used to not be able to burp, which is another thing, but I learned to during the pandemic. I burped and now I can't stop. (laughs) So um, my sister still can't burp. Neither of us could burp for years and years and years. And then during the first lockdown, I was sat watching Serpico with a cup of tea <laughs> and I just burped and I just couldn't quite believe it. And then since then I've not been able to stop burping. So that's a separate thing. And I'm, I really go to town on it because I can't quite believe it. <laughs> it's this thing I, I was never able to do. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if that's that actually very early on, you'd seen it as embarrassing and therefore had learned to resist it. That's interesting. That's so interesting. Maybe. Yeah. That something had happened really young and somebody said, don't do that. That's rude. Yeah. Right. And it, it, and you'd gone, oh, I can't do it. I'm not allowed to. Yeah. And suddenly it's lockdown. I'm on my own. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> me, me and Al Pacino. So maybe it was that. Yeah. People burp in different ways, don't they? <laughs> my father-in-law had the loudest burp. I mean, he really, he always, he always showed off his burp. It was rip-roaring. I like that. There was something about it that suggests it was polite in some cultures because it showed you'd really enjoyed the meal or something yes. or whatever. Some, someone had got away with saying, and I was like, I really like that. I'm going to go for that one. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't go down well in a restaurant where you say, well, in my culture, shitting at the table goes down really well. It shows how much I've enjoyed it. No. I liked it so much, I quickly replace the previous meal I'd eaten. (laughs) (laughs) I make space for your lovely food. (laughs) (laughs) Just make it room for the dessert. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we could put mouth ulcers in there and and get rid of them. What an awful thing to have to suffer as a teenager, particularly because as a teenager, everything is embarrassing, isn't it? That's it, exactly that. And I remember working at Legoland and sometimes it was really painful to talk and I remember people being really... Like, obviously, people at Legoland, they're stressed anyway, whatever, with their, yeah. with their children trying to keep everything together. And I'd be, like, trying to talk. It would really hurt. The man was like, just talk properly. What are you talking about? I was <laughs> oh, like, no. I'm in so much pain. And I'm a teenager. I can't just tell you it's on a mouth. Stop being a teenager. For goodness sake. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. I was like, I'm just in pain. Oh. God, it was awful. But um, now... I'm almost completely cured. If I get one, it's my own doing. I'm sure there will be other people who have listened to this and gone, oh, I'm going to try that. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. I really hope so. Although I doubt very much if we have many teenagers that listen to an old fart like me. (laughs) (laughs) But you never know. You never know. (laughs) Fair point. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's move on to the final happy thing then. 
What's that? The final happy thing. Now, um, T came very close into being this <sighs> one. Yeah. However, I've, I've slightly maybe cheated because one of my favourite things to do, obviously I travel a lot with my work, so now I'll make sure if I'm in any town or city, or even now if I've been away other countries, mm. I will find the local secondhand bookshop. Oh. And my rule is I'm allowed one. <laughs> I'm allowed one book yeah. from each one. And I will spend absolutely hours in there. So if I'm on my own, certainly what I'll do is I'll go somewhere and get a takeaway tea. So that's how I managed to combine the two. <laughs> and I'll go in there, very careful to spill it. And I could spend hours and hours. I absolutely love them. And I've recently been t- to Paris and the one I really wanted to go to was closed on the day because it was May Day. But we managed to find an even better one. Mm. It was unbelievable. This Canadian man who owned one called the Abbey Bookshop in Paris. And it was unreal. I, I loved it. And any time I'm away, they've always got, all these cities have always got English ones as well. Mm. It's secondhand English bookshop. In, I've been to ones in Barcelona, yeah, in Paris and Amsterdam. But now, wherever I'm in the UK, that's what I'll do. I'll take myself out one day, wherever I'm just out on tour supporting somebody, or if I'm just performing at a comedy club, I'm staying away. I'm just on that day before the gig. I just go out for a wonder and I can spend hours and hours in the bookshop just ready to pick my perfect book. <laughs> I, I love it. I love those Oxfam bookshops. Where oh, they, me too. They take all the good books from all the local Oxfams and put them together in one shop. Brilliant. That's it. There's a lovely one in Glasgow just by the um, art gallery there. Mm. And um, what did I get from there recently? Do you pick a particular area? Is that you have an interest area or do you just go through them all and just find something? It could be anything. Right. I've, had, um, I've picked up plays. I've picked up a uh, streetcar named Desire. Uh, this is making me sound a lot more highbrow than I am. But it's, <laughs> it was um, during the lockdown, I read Bill Bryson. Mm. Is it Notes from a Small Island? Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? I loved it. And it made me really miss all the... And I was like, oh, I really get to travel a lot with my job around the country. I should really appreciate it more. So that's my way to go and sort of take in wherever I am. So... If anybody names, if I've been at the Tower City, I like I know the bookshelf. I'm like that one, great. And I could, like the book I got from there, mm. it was the Borrowers I got from there. So I got um, <laughs> the Borrowers. So I read that. I'd never read it. I no. watched it growing up. So I, I read that. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pick anything, no matter what I see. And then I was recently down in Falmouth in Cornwall. I was with um, supporting Tom Allen. Mm. And as we were, we were trying to find somewhere to have dinner before we were going that night to gig in Redroof, and. Um, he was telling me about this series of books he'd read that he liked. And we walked past this really cool looking bookshop and he popped in there to see if they had it available. And I took a picture of the bookshop thinking, Oh, I'll go here tomorrow. Lovely. Mm. And I just popped in there and the lady was talking to Tom and recognized Tom and he introduced me. And I said, are you open tomorrow? And she, she said, tomorrow is the first Sunday that I'm open all year. I said, <laughs> I'll be here. I said, we're going to go for a rise before we drive to Yeovil. So I will come here and I'll see you tomorrow. And, uh, I went in the next day and she was there and I looked all around for ages, got War of the Worlds, I find upstairs and I came down and um, as I paid for it, she said, oh, and I've got you this. She went, don't open it now. And it was this envelope with my name written on it. And she got me this book all about Red Roof. And um, she just had written this lovely note in there to say she'll follow my career and it was lovely to meet me and just give me this free, free book on Wedroof. I was like, that's sort of what you get in these secondhand books. It's so nice. Well, the great thing about secondhand books is that the, quite often they do have those little notes in them, don't they, from the past? Yes. Yes, that's it. In fact, there is one in that. Let me just grab that book for a second because there is one in there that she's crossed out to write her own notes. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'll see what that one is. Yeah. <laughs> So this is the um, the book that she'd got me there on Red Roof. Right. 
And then um, if it was the message to me, and here you go, the note on the other page is, um, thought these would appeal to you, Carol. Love, Betty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 9th of July, 85. There you are. <laughs> I mean, you don't know who these people are. Occasionally, I, <laughs> Lovely, yeah. I am a big browser. I did once buy an enormous, well, actually several large cardboard boxes of old opera programmes. Why? Good question. I can see it in your eyes. You know. But actually, I just thought, so that looks interesting. I've just looked through it. I looked through a few and they were they went right back. And it was clearly, I live in Tunbridge Wells in Kent, and clearly it was the oh, yeah. it was the collection of one person. It was a collection of somebody who their entire life had been a fan of opera because it went from the cheapest programmes from about 1930-something right through to the mid-90s. You could see their life through this collection of opera programs. It was I've, I've had a most fantastic time sorting it out. So the headline of what you bought sounds like, as you say, the look I gave you of okay, yeah. But then it's such an interesting thing to have with such a story behind it. It was brilliant. Yeah, I sold it on, and actually, Great. what I did was it was a charity shop, and I gave them half. Oh, very good of you. Yeah. Very good. Well, good or <laughs> foolish, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm very glad that my choice managed to make you look brilliant. So you're welcome. You didn't have to bring it up yourself. No, I'm always willing to tell a story that makes me look good. (laughs) (laughs) But Jake, how brilliant. You're going to be off to Australia. Oh, yeah. Find all my secondhand independent bookshops. Yeah, all over Australia. Australia. Wonderful. We're doing two nights in Melbourne, Mm. which is the Rod Laver Arena, which is the um, where they have the The Australian Open. Yeah, huge. Yeah. How exciting. I've Googled the uh, the capacity and it really is. So <laughs> try not to think about it. Um, so we're doing Melbourne, Brisbane, Wollongong. Wollongong, yeah. Um, Wollongong, yeah. Newcastle, ah. Sydney, Derwent, which I think is Hobart, which I think is Tasmania. Yeah. And we're doing, on the way back, we're doing Singapore. Wow. How brilliant. Yeah. Quite an adventure. Mm. I can't quite believe my life. I hope it just sound like I'm showing off i appreciate i'm very lucky no no it's um, fantastic and then of course the next time you play those places you can say hey you'll never guess last time i played it i was supporting michael mcintyre yeah that's it thank you for coming to see my show everyone (laughs) (laughs) brilliant to 10 people (laughs) (laughs) i played newcastle but i played a working men's club in newcastle and it was like the blues brothers they had mesh up in front of the stage. What were you doing there? Oh, a long time ago, I was in a spoof comedy band. And, you know, it's a funny night out. But it's a tough town. Newcastle is a, is a real sort of industrial working men's town. Right. You know? Oh, okay. So I'll bear that in mind. We came off and things were smashing against this mesh. <gasps> and you could feel the glass coming through thinking, shit. I was going to ask if it was needed. And it was. It was, yeah. They threw things. And I, we, as we came off, the bloke said, you're going on for an encore? We went, no. <laughs> oh, fuck that. He said, no, they love you. We said, they're throwing things. He said, that proves it. When they really like a band, you get showered with the stuff. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Rather than clapping, they threw their beer bottles. No way. So what if they hate you? <laughs> Silence. Right, the worst thing you could have. Worst thing you can have, just being ignored. Yeah, not a glass broken. No, they're all sitting there chatting. Oh, yeah, you sort of get that kind mm. of how suddenly you, you want shards of glass. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I very much doubt Michael McIntyre's show will have a big metal sheet in front of it. <laughs> yeah. If it does, at least I've been prepared. Uh, but blimey, yeah. that's incredible. 
Weird. You have lived a lie. <laughs> I know. I'm only 37. <laughs> Jake, absolutely fantastic to meet you. I've, I've really looked oh. forward to seeing you in, in the flesh. I might well be snapping up one of those tickets for the Soho Theatre. Very nice of you. Lovely. You can keep the ticket stump from that one, and then you can keep one when it's the OT one day, and you can have my journey. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'll get it signed. Get them both signed and say, look. He's only made a terrible mistake and booked out the O2. <laughs> he did this podcast, and after that, his career just dived. <laughs> Jake, absolutely fantastic to meet you. Thank you very much. You too. Honestly, thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Jake Lambert. Thanks for your patience and attention. Do subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and do tell your friends and others how much you enjoyed it by rating it on the podcast player you prefer. You might even, in some cases, write a short, pithy review. Complimentary, I hope. You can also get involved by following me and my time capsule on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and by downloading the theme tune from Spotify. It was composed and performed by Pass the Peas Music. You can listen to this podcast ad-free by becoming an Acast Plus listener for a very small monthly fee, which goes straight back into helping make more of this podcast. Details in the description of this episode. This was a cast-off production for Acast. It was produced by John Fenton-Stevens. Right, I'm off to make a telephone call to SeaWorld. No particular reason. I'd just like to listen to their announcement before they actually pick the phone up. They say, this phone call will be recorded and may be used for training porpoises. That's obviously a lie, but let's face it, it would improve their service. Bye! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.